1: Hey folks, welcome into On to Waveland. It's the Cubs podcast here at The Athletic. I am Brett Taylor, joined by Sadef Sharma and Patrick Mooney. We got to get into the Cubs Series 5 Gamer. First, it feels like their first five game series in a while uh, against the Cardinals this weekend. And, um, you know, it's funny. I'm going to mention it right at the top that going into the series, so I, I can't place it exactly and I didn't look it up, but there was this five game series against the Cardinals at Wrigley Field, maybe early 2000s. It might have even been. I think it was O three. I think it was the two 2000- thousand. Was it the you're O3 talking season? about the
2: five game set where they won four or five and they almost yes. won five like Orlando yes. Palmero hit one off the vines and won the, yes. that how the, that's how the Cardinals won the only game yeah
1: yes okay so it was 03 I knew it was back then I couldn't remember if it was that season but so I came into this series not thinking because I'm not a crazy person <laughs> that the Cubs were gonna you know take four or five and it was going to like transform their fortunes and it was going to be like whoa they're actually competing this year that's wild and they were going to make that run that the 2003 team did but I did think about it like that series insofar as I just remember watching that series and feeling good you know it was like the beating the Cardinals at Wrigley Field in a five game series it just feels enjoyable to experience this and like we talked about Last week on the pod, you know, you're, this this is a season where you're always looking for those opportunities to just enjoy baseball, enjoy something. And so because they'd had a couple wins coming into this series, because, again, it was at Wrigley Field. There were some ancillary storylines that we'll get into that kind of made things even more joyful. I just kind of let myself be like, you know, but if they do win four or five or if, you know, the earth cracks open and the apocalypse begins and they win all five... I, I'm just going to feel really happy about that. And so to that end, when they lost the night cap of the doubleheader on Saturday, I, I think I was a little more down than I thought I was going to be because I was like, damn it. Now they can't win, you know, four or five and it's, can't be this really fun, great thing. And then of course they lose last night, similarly in extra innings. And you know, you could, you can, we can talk about how close the games were in the series, but at the end of the day, it's another series loss in a year that we expect lots of them. So uh, that is a my long-winded introductory way of saying some of my joyful anticipation for this series was, uh, you know, got sucked out in those last two games.
2: Yeah, you know, I mean, I think it, we we talked about this last week, and you know, they're they're not an awful team. Uh, as as I don't think they're as bad as their record indicates, but it's also just in uh, this this t- these types of losses, the ones that they suffered this weekend, particularly the last two, are just like well, they're also just not good enough. They're missing certain pieces that kind of get you over the hump, or have certain players playing that it's like, yeah, that guy's going to cost you in in certain situations. You don't want that guy up in that situation, and. <laughs> uh, and uh, <laughs> You, you, I'm not gonna name names at this moment.
1: But like you could be, you could
2: be talking about three or
1: four. Yeah, teams yeah. Guys. No, that's
2: why there's no need to name names. Uh, who knows who I'm talking oh, about? Shit, he's coming up. Yeah. And uh, you know something that, uh, as far as you could see, David Ross was like a little bit pleased in one sense. It's like he could see it coming. He's like, I see these guys. There, there's some players here that. We have something going, you know, he's not delusional and thinking this team, I'm sure he's going to be positive and and want to turn this around in 2022, but he's not, he's not to the point where it's like all is well. And and we're going to figure this out this year, but he's seeing things that he likes, but he's also just not willing to give excuses. And I, I'm not sure if it was you or Brett or Michael Brett. And I, and I think it was a fair point that you made about Michael Rucker uh on saturday night right that was you brett um i think it was a perfectly fair point that you made that rucker's been okay he's had he's been a pretty decent reliever he had to warm up multiple times that game uh came out uh who knows how how much he'd warmed up how how ready he was for that situation and he was terrible ross was not willing to give him that excuse nope he hesitated he didn't throw him under the bus but you could kind of tell what his point was like this is the big leagues. If you're not ready to go, if you can't do it, 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 I may need you in the fourth, and I may have to get you warmed up then and may not go to you. Oh, well, you better be ready when I call you next time. This is the big leagues. This is how it works. No excuses. That's not what he said, but that's how I took it because he was not willing to give him the excuse. And I kind of like that. It doesn't matter what whether this is a lost season or not. He's looking for who can help him when they are a winning club. And I, I think that's that's kind of what we need to look to over the next few months and i and i totally get where you were coming from and think it was fair but uh, oh yeah yeah.
1: well and i would just say to that rucker would probably say the same thing yeah i'm sure he would but also your point is correct and well taken this is my interjection see i'm derailing (laughs) your point um it is also convenient that that reaction from ross is a little bit self-preservation-y right because if it's Sure. Hey, it's the big leagues. Everybody's got to be ready. Well, then it's not Ross's fault for getting him. What what was the expression that Madden used to use?
2: Well, uh, uh, dry Wait, hump. no,
1: don't move on. We got a yeah. dry hump. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and I'm How not like, I'm not that? blaming Ross. <laughs> yeah, I can't forget that. <laughs> no. Sorry. Uh, and I'm not blaming, I'm not even blaming Ross in that moment for like getting Rucker up when he did, because I, it was sensible in that moment. It was more of just a, for me, it was frustration and seeing people, Sure. Jump all over Rucker. I get what you're saying. When it's like, man, come on, he did have a pretty tough
2: situation that game. And also, I mean, if you want to give Ross an excuse, what was he supposed to do? Go to his best relievers every single time during this stretch when when right. there's no days off and right. there's multiple double headers. So it's it's kind of difficult for everyone. But it's also I, I appreciate Ross not leaning on any excuses. He didn't say, well, you know, these guys have been overworked. He didn't say anything. He just said, got to got to do your job it's part of it and I appreciate that
3: if you take this stretch it was what 11 games in nine days the Cubs won five and lost three in extra innings and it's better than I thought they would do to be honest like it wasn't maybe the disaster it could have been they were largely competitive games I think this is kind of broken record territory it just underlines again like the Cubs don't have that no doubt number one starter and you win that series Brett that you were kind of like talking about dreaming about is a guy like Marcus Stroman just shutting down the Cardinals after getting an early lead and the Cubs really don't know what to expect from like anyone in the rotation on a game-to-game basis at this point and the offense comes down to, you know, kind of just getting that big hit. And like, this is kind of what happens when you throw together your lineup with a lot of like kind of lottery tickets or bounce back guys or triple a guys getting their first chance. Like, you know, I think, you know, the Cubs don't have that starter. Who's going to go into Camden yards this week and just like shut them down and give them an easy win, rest the bullpen, kind of set things up for the next day. And, you know, I think, kind of managing series is an idea we've talked about or we've heard about whether it's like Dave Roberts in LA or what Gabe Kapler was trying to do with the Giants like all these games are interconnected and it feels like the Cubs are kind of starting from scratch each day there's not like too many things they can like absolutely count on and that makes it really hard to pile up series wins
1: what a great point I hadn't you know we it's that's a thing that we all know but we don't think about is the fact that like I'm as you're saying that I'm thinking back I'm like yeah man I have not thought about the structure of a series or the games that will follow and how what's happening today is going to impact tomorrow and the days on I haven't thought about that at all this year and in forever and it's not because it's not because the games don't matter it's because the Cubs have not ever had an opportunity to even think that way it's just everything's hair on fire mode and this series against the Cardinals underscored that you know it was sort of um, good enough to be in the game so let's just try to win it, figure out tomorrow, tomorrow, and um, yeah, that's a great point. That'll that'll be something to continue to think about um, this year especially as again, you, you never want to be the guy who's saying that the wins and losses don't matter especially in early June, but as we go on, they are going to become less and less a, an indicator of a successful season from here on out. It'll, it, you know, if you lose more than you win, it is not a successful season. And I'm not suggesting otherwise. It's just when you start to accept your reality, then you're like, okay, well, knowing that the wins aren't coming, what does mark success from here? And I think a huge, huge part of that is going to be a group, a, a discerning from a group of young pitching that the Cubs have who can be counted on coming out of the gate in 2023 because that's going to dictate what the Cubs feel they need to do this offseason, where resources are going to be allocated, and how competitive they believe they can be next year. And so that there's two fa- there's two components to that. One is just figuring out who's who, who can be counted on, but also it's who can continue to develop this year and get themselves into a position where you trust them for next year. And to that end, this series was, I thought as encouraging as any series in the last X number of years, because you had not one, not two, not three, but four young starting pitchers, uh, making very competent appearances in this series. And, and that, like, I just, I racked my brain to think about the last time that you could say that now that you, we can't call them entirely homegrown because, uh, Uh, Caleb Killian was an acquisition, but effectively, I mean, when you when you develop a player and he comes up, I consider that homegrown. And so you're talking about when was the last time the Cubs had four pitchers come up through their system and contribute? And it's like maybe it was that 2003 team, (laughs) maybe it was that, you know. I mean, like really. Um, And so to that end, I know that we won't. You know, Killian was optioned back to Iowa. Uh, he'll be back. We know he'll be back. We know that this is part of his development process. And we know that with Matt Swarmer, it's, it, it, is, it still remains hard for me to imagine a starting pitcher there with two pitches. It's just so rare that you can make it work with just two pitches and we can talk about why it might with him. Um, and Keegan Thompson, maybe he ends up back in the bullpen. Maybe we find out that's just what it is. And with Justin Steele, maybe he's a little too erratic to be a consistent starting pitcher because he'll go from great outings to, to tough ones. But we, the fact we can even have this conversation today, how can you not be encouraged about longer-term thinking? Because pitching, starting pitching was the thing that the Cubs couldn't do. And now they have four out of five games in a series against the Cardinals getting young starting pitchers throwing good games.
2: Yeah, no, I mean it, it's certainly a positive. It's something they need to build off of, and, and and you want to see continue to happen. I I don't know exactly what uh, these guys are. I Swarmer in particular is really interesting when you when you deliver back to back quality starts like that, and you just are really making hitters struggle to figure out what you're throwing there, and you only have two pitches. It's it's fascinating, and there have been guys that have succeeded. They're few and far between, but there are pitchers who have done that and had careers with basically throwing two pitches but it's uh, (laughs) it's just really hard to see it you know lasting for a while so I'm really curious to see he's going to have to start against the Yankees right yeah so yes. yes so that's 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 a hell of a test right there throw him in Yankee Stadium two pitch guy uh, I mean it's a great slider right it's a unique slider it's it's not your prototypical uh, horizontal brake slider it's it's a weird pitch that tunnels really well with his fastball uh, he seems to know how to use it and throw it in slightly different ways. So he's, he's intriguing, uh, that's for sure. I think what's interesting is, and and I think this will happen over the course pretty much of the next uh, four months for us, but we're going to vacillate about what does this team need exactly going into Like, well, this is their biggest weakness. I mean, because the offense looked lost not long ago, and suddenly the offense looks a little bit better. And it's like, well, are there pieces emerging? And uh, what, two weeks ago, nobody would have said, well, Chris morell is someone that you want to – want to keep around and you can say that this is a guy that you know he's a piece for the future I mean, he's a guy who deserves now, a
3: statue like he's like the next yeah. statue yeah,
2: <laughs> yes. within two weeks and
3: now it's like
2: it's now it's like he if he doesn't reach base you know fans <laughs> uh, what is happening uh so so this season is going to be like that i think we're going to we're going to have to adjust as to what what do they need to do this winter well that's why we need to let this season play out to really understand where this rebuild stands, where, how far behind they are, how much ground they need to make up and, and how they exactly need to do that.
3: I also think it would be foolish to get too wrapped up uh, from, you know, the Cubs perspective of like, well, these are our homegrown guys. And like, you know, if we look about the end of the year and like, Justin Steele's ERA is like close to five and like he's shown great flashes and like, Keegan Thompson kind of tires in the second half because he hasn't really, like, pushed himself to this level, and Swarmer kind of gets figured out. And, I mean, I think Killian's probably a guy they'll get a really long run away just in terms of how they talk about him. And, you know, he certainly performed, you know, at every level. uh, But I would just like to see the Cubs get a little more creative, whether it's, like, using those guys in different roles out of the bullpen, maybe, like, trading one of those guys. Like if there's this kind of like clump of kind of uh swing men of getting a different piece. And I just think they're still going to have to invest big time in this rotation. Like if you want to be serious uh, about contending next year, I think Brett, you've said like a team that on paper doesn't need like a hundred things to go right, to have like a viable entertaining summer. Like it starts with the rotation and you know, it would really help if those guys could all come out of the bullpen or make spot starts, or you have a lot of depth. I just don't see how, once again, starting pitching is their number one priority. And I guess we'll see uh, what Jed does at the trade deadline. Like, is it just Smiley and Miley uh, being traded? And that's your kind of 40% uh, gone or I guess Kyle Hendricks is pitching so poorly right now that it's hard to see like getting uh anywhere close to maximum value for him but if if Stroman is moved like there's a lot of pieces that'll probably tell us like where they're thinking uh for next year but to me it's it's all about the the pitching like you got to invest in some like you know a number 1 starter and like a number 3 type starter if you want to kind of like build this thing out to where there's not an enormous amount of pressure on. You know guys, who took a long time to get there and are going to take a long time to figure out how to stick too. Yeah, we've talked about that a lot that the
1: not even the best teams, but just like the competitive teams, they tend to have and this is true on the positional side as well. They tend to have more guys than you can know what to do with. And it sorts itself out and the best organizations sort of have a plan like, okay, if everybody's healthy and effective, we can kind of say, sorry, a couple of you are going to need to keep going at uh, AAA. a couple. You're going to have to play off the bench or out of the bullpen. We'll, we'll figure it out. And then when the things happen inevitably in a season, whether it's an injury and you require an immediate replacement or it's underperformance and you wish you could pull the trigger on a move quicker, but you can't because you don't have that superior depth that good organizations do. We we see that just consistently the best the best teams and um, what we haven't seen from the Cubs for the last you know during this the, the Epstein Hoyer era really is having those reserves of extremely high quality arms at the upper levels of the minors where when your plans for your big league rotation or your big league bullpen go awry you can just backfill and it's like wow that really didn't drop off much at all. Well, I think the Cubs have that now. I think they maybe have it on starting pitching depth and bullpen depth. What they don't have is the guys in front of that in the rotation, at least. Like what Mooney is saying, where it's like, well, but you know, we've we've got our Max Scherzer or Jacob Degrom, and if they get hurt, we can you know backfill with the guys if we have to. But like, they're supposed to be the guys that are fronting this thing. And while I loved and still love the Marcus Stroman signing. And I hope very much that they do not trade him because I think he can be in a very important part of the 2023 rotation. It, you know, he wasn't that guy. I don't think anybody thought he was like, Oh, he's coming over to be like the, uh, like, like you said, Moody, the guy who, when he's starting and you're kind of in a rough stretch, it's like, Oh, well, thank God he's starting. Cause that's going to end this bad stretch. Cubs haven't had that guy for a while. And so uh, I do look forward to this off season in that regard. And, uh, reminding people that even as the Cubs, you know, even if it looks like they have a glut of young starting pitching, it's like, no, you still have to add the guys in the front to make it work and to be competitive.
2: Yeah. I I mean, I, I don't know if that guy's available this winter outside. It's Rodan. Yeah, that is, oh, he, he, he can opt yeah, out. That's a big risk for, for a team that may not be in the market for big risks. Uh, I'd be surprised if that guy is is available, but they certainly should are. They certainly have to and likely will add like depth in the sense like a, a Stroman type piece, right? They certainly have to do that. I, I don't know if this is the off season where they start trading for guys, but that that, you, that is, you trade for Glass, now. yeah. I mean, that's that's the other. You one. could you could do something like that. There are there are options and paths available and we've talked about this I, I i truly believe that to a more competent and and on paper competitive team uh for 2023 uh i just there's just so much going on with with how they build a long term team how they view that as sustainable i i i don't think like going all out for someone like Rodan or Uh, DeGrom who will likely have many more uh, suitors than the Cubs are willing to battle with at this point in their Mm -hmm. contention cycle so uh, I I agree with what you guys are saying I just don't see who that guy is uh, uh, quickly glancing at free agents not the (laughs) shutdown guy I mean there are there are guys that are that you could say yeah that's that guy helps that guy's a, a two or a three right like what you'd say for Strowman, but that's not the no doubt guy that you darvish was in 2020 or the second half of 2019 right uh and i guess those guys are just rare to find and and they are the guys i mean John Lester, I guess, wasn't always that guy, and he. And I'm not sure if you'd describe him that way when the Cubs signed him, but at times he was that guy, right? So you can get guys like that. So maybe Stroman can be that guy for times, for periods of times and stretches and maybe a full season, but you don't really look at him as that guy traditionally, if that makes sense. Because uh, Kyle Hendricks has been that guy where the manager says, well, I'm glad Kyle Hendricks is starting today because that's that's going to be a win for us. But he's certainly not that guy right now. So I, I think realistically what they're, they're going to add is someone like that, that can be that guy but isn't looked at as that guy for years on end, right? And, and those guys are just – there's five of them, eight of them, ten
3: maybe. Yeah, I mean maybe not that level, but I mean I'm – Looking at this too, like if the Cubs have enormous financial flexibility, they love talking about their pitching infrastructure and how great it is. I mean, I don't know, is Chris Bassett like a Lance Lynn type of guy, like not an ace, but like a really strong kind of reliable guy towards the top of your rotation? I don't know. This is kind of in the Rodan bucket too of like Noah Syndergaard. Do you trust him to stay healthy over the course of a big deal? Uh, Verlander's got a player option. That would be entertaining. Oh, Sean Manaya has been a really good pitcher for a long time, and he was, like, coming out of the draft, I remember. The Cubs, I think, like, looked at him for that draft pick where they selected Chris Bryant. Like, that's how good he was going into his junior year, and then he got hurt or whatever. But, um...
2: Even Jamison Tyon. Tyon, like, yeah, yeah. I mean, he's you, on there, too. you mentioned I mean, a few guys that I think like interesting make interesting sense. Guys. Yeah, yeah. yeah. There's certainly. I I totally agree with you. They have yeah, to yeah. add and and like, I, I think all those guys that you mentioned were guys that I, when when I was going through that list quickly, is like yeah yeah they all make sense. It's just it's so hard to I don't know what it means anymore to find it, like to go and buy that ace on the open market unless you're willing to go above and beyond to get jacob Degrom, which i just don't believe they are there i just don't believe they're going to do that maybe um you know in a few years they'll be willing to do that but i really believe where this team is and what this team is i hope i see this going forward because i think it's what makes the most sense it doesn't have to be doesn't have to be every year where you are the biggest spender, but you need every every winter you should be spending. There you don't take winters off because that's how you end up what we saw before, right? Where well it's, this team is good enough we don't need to add any pieces. No, stack stack free agents upon free agents and and like you stack uh prospects upon prospects. It's the same thought process in a sense because it, if you if you do it properly you won't be uh you won't have too many big contracts all at once because they'll be coming off the books at different times you'll be able to fill holes properly uh in multiple fashions it won't just be through the system and you're not just relying on free agency i and then you also have the ability to fill holes during the winter and if you're competitive fill holes during the summer at the trade deadline there's This is how you do it. That's how you build a team. There's not just one path. So I I totally agree that all those names you mentioned should be on their list of, is this guy someone that we give a contract to? And Bassett, I think, makes a ton of sense in the sense that he's probably not going to get like six, seven years. He's 34, 35. So if he wants a three-year deal, if he's willing to do that, a three- or even four-year deal – that's kind of right up Jed's alley if they believe he ages well I you know so I mean those those types of deals make total sense once you start talking about under five years Jed should be pouncing on
3: on talented guys like that because I weren't I mean we were talking about this in the in the dugout at Wrigley the other day of like kind of this idea of the stroman Suzuki signings kind of like layering those over yeah. multiple off seasons and don't and you, that's don't, kind of, it,
2: yeah. And you can, yeah and you avoid you know there was a cliff because all these guys came up at the same time, right? Well, there can also be a cliff if all your free agents are lined up similarly and, and you know, you're calling up all your prospects at once. Like, you don't want that. You want you want to stagger everything. You want everything to, like, and you you fill holes as you go along in different ways. Well, we got this guy. Well, we have Chris Morrell playing center field right now. Well, Pete Crow Armstrong's ready to come up in 2024. Okay, shift Morrell to left because... Because uh, Ian Hap's no longer here. Whatever. I'm just th- I'm thinking off the top of my head, throwing stuff out, right? And that's that's how you do it, right? You don't stress about. well, no. Well, what? Well, how do you fill the Ian Hap gap? Well, you're just talking about trading Wilson Contreras, but and then Ian Hap leaves too. Now you have nothing. No, you don't have nothing because you keep producing talent and you keep adding talent. That's how it should be.
0: Looking for an assist with your credit card, but can't get a hold of anyone.
1: Well, and another factor to consider about that, um, the layering of significant signings, which as you rightly noted, the Cubs didn't, this isn't an apology for them, but it didn't really have the opportunity to do that sort of in an optimal way because the whole core was on the exact same track because when they came up and so they, they couldn't quite stagger the moves maybe like they would have wanted to. But part of the reason that you do that as well is so that when there are, Busts in free agency, which there will be inevitably. You don't have two or three of them on the exact same contract at the exact same time, and you're like the huge chunks of money are eaten up and dead money at the same time for the same number of years. You you would want those also to be rolling off at different times. And uh, my I guess, my parting thought on this discussion, which this 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 I think is where we're going to wrap things, is maybe Jacob Degrom is. Not a tier that the Cubs will play in. Maybe. But here's something to remember. You made the point yourself, Sahadev, that how many of those guys are there in baseball? I mean, he's the one, but like set that aside. Six to eight total in baseball that are like those truly elite top starters. And how often do they become available at all? Uh, Not very. And so what I would hope is at least a consideration is because I agree with you. I think the, this Cubs front office is going to be extraordinarily averse to very long-term contracts. I think that's we're going to find over time that that's going to be a hallmark of this group. But what I am not convinced is that that means that they will not be interested in some very pricey free agents. And I think they would look at, for example, the Max Scherzer deal uh, with the Mets where it was an extraordinarily large AAV, but only three years. Um, I'm not saying they would sign that exact same deal. Maybe they would for DeGrom. I mean, every team should, Yeah, it, I don't care. It's worth, it's right. worth the risk for him. Uh, but I think you, you kind of look at that and you think, well, maybe he's not going to find a five plus year deal. He's 35 coming off a whole lost year to multiple different injuries. He might not find that deal out there. He might have to do the super crazy high AAV three or four year deal. And, I'll plant my flag now. If the Cubs aren't in those conversations, even this off season, um, I'm going to be pretty pissed. And I think a lot of that will depend on what happens over the next four months, because I think this was baked into the entire conversation we're having today. A lot can look different between now and September with this organization, with this team. We're still, there's still just a ton of information to be sorted out. And it's going to depend on the trade deadline it's going to depend on prospect development it's going to depend on these pitchers coming up and continuing to develop like we're talking about
2: and I I just want to reiterate what you're saying it's why when fans scream and yell like how can you even say that they have any chance of competing in 2023 if, if they trade you know players at the deadline again it's like because Like, I didn't know two weeks ago that Christopher Morel was a quality major league player. I didn't know that. And now he looks like he could be. But in the next four months, I may learn that he's not right so just let it play out to a certain degree i agree that there's a lot of things to be frustrated about as a fan but you also can't dismiss all these young players or any of these guys just yet like it's been two months of baseball so let's see what happens and who they can actually keep and build around and and use for the future whether that's as a piece off the bench a usable piece on a winning team or a a core a, a core player whatever the heck that means anymore they can't. They can't see your air quotes. Side, but
1: I'll, I'll put that in audio <laughs> yeah, form. Thank you. He did the,
3: He, he did, did a very, very aggressive, animated into the screen. Uh, like, <laughs> core players. Whatever
1: that even. I is. am not a crook. Core <laughs> play, Whatever the hell that is. Uh, all right. <laughs> Good. This is a good wrapping spot there. Uh, we thank you, folks, as always, for listening to On to Waveland. It's the Cubs podcast here at The Athletic. You can get it wherever you get your podcasts, wherever you're listening right now. Maybe you do a little uh, subscribe button situation, and then you will never miss any of our uh, ebullient conversations about the future of the Cubs. Uh, that is Sahadev Sharma and uh, Patrick Mooney. They write at The Athletic. Read their stuff. I am Brett Taylor. I write at Bleacher Nation. Read mine as well. And we will be back at you later this week. Take care, everyone.